And now, from our studios in Kansas City, Sci-Fi For Me Radio is live from the bunker. Here we go, ladies and gentlemen. Back in the studio once again. Hello, everyone. My name is Jason Hunt. I'm the editor-in-chief here at Sci-Fi For Me. And welcome. We are broadcasting live from the bunker, going out to Odyssey and Facebook and YouTube. And uh, yesterday was... uh, Yesterday was a work day, so I was out um, all all day. So, but now I'm back. Everything's fine. All right, good. Earned a dollar or two. Buy some mouse traps. For those of you who did not catch the H2O podcast Monday night, uh, apparently there's a mouse in the compound somewhere. So, we're going to have to deal with it accordingly. Uh, We are also available, this show, the H2O Podcast, and this show both available as a podcast in audio form, and we're available on a number of different podcast players. We call it Sci-Fi for Me Radio, and we've talked a little bit back and forth about doing some other stuff there, but, you know, limited resources and whatnot, but in the meantime... If you're uh, inclined more towards uh, uh, the the audio portion of this, then you can you can find us over there. <coughs> I will offer up my congratulations to all of the winners of yesterday's elections across the country, and good luck. Although it is uh, it is a, a fun bit, uh, I I did notice this. Perch had uh, had made an observation, and I want to uh, I want to give it a little bit of a signal boost here. He says, "There's here's something I'm encouraged by. Last night, while the election was going on, I heard from more mainstream places than I ever have before. People speculating that Twitter is a bubble." and doesn't reflect anything remotely close to the majority. This is a positive development. And I wholeheartedly agree and endorse that sentiment. Perch is right. Twitter is a lot of angry people being angry about things for clout more than anything else. Uh, Clout and influence. So, hopefully, as, as Facebook meta implodes fingers crossed and as we get more into the election holiday season uh, people will start to realize that social media really perhaps might not need to have as much influence as as we've been letting it have hope springs eternal right i see mazers in there back in the saddle again by aerosmith would be a good opener here but the copyright gods are jerks these days well copyright is a thing i mean Technically, all of our material is copyrighted, and I could 
pursue those people who have reposted some of our videos on their channels. But I don't really see it as being very much worth the effort. Plus, our branding is still on it, so it's kind of free advertising for us, I guess, maybe? I don't know. So there's that. So um, I want to I want to talk just briefly. I don't know that I'm going to do a full hour here today, but there have been a few items of note with regard to various different things that have been happening in the entertainment media. We've have the cancellation. Let's start here. The cancellation of Why the Last Man. And it was uh, over in, you know, over in limbo for a very long time. And it finally got produced. And in the midst of the first season, it got canceled. Now, of course, they're shopping it around and maybe at some point it might be revived. And the official reasons behind it have to do with money. And it's understandable because... The way the way Hollywood works, and, and especially if you're getting into series production, and if you're into pilot season, that's another aspect of this. So you have uh, you have the the money tied up in productions, and if you're not able to go into production for whatever reason, if you have a a showrunner quits, and that causes delays. If you have to recast your lead character, that can cause delays. And that all of that did happen on this particular show. Plus, you have the pandemic and all of the lockdowns and everything else. So, behind the scenes on the creative side of things, there were delays. And then, of course, the external factors that come into play here. By the time the show gets on the air... The network has to make a decision whether or not they're going to spend the money to commit all of the cast for another season. And the way it all lined up, the network wasn't willing to spend the money to hold the cast in reserve, basically saying, you know, we're not going to make a decision on a season yet, on a season two, but we're also not going to spend the money to hold you in place so you're all released and there's not going to be a season two. Now they're shopping around. They're hoping that at some point maybe there'll be, uh, maybe there'll be a season two and it'll get picked up somewhere. And a lot of people think that it would be appropriate for HBO Max to pick it up because HBO Max, Warner Media, DC Comics, Vertigo Comics, which is where Why the Last Man was, was originally published, that there's a certain amount of creative synergy there. And it could very well be that now that, you know, now they're shopping it around, they could lean into whatever it is that they want to lean into that maybe they weren't able to before. Now, <clears throat> for those of you who are not familiar, Why the, Ma Why the Last Man is a story about a pandemic, something that happens to kill Every single person with a Y chromosome, except this one guy, Yorick, he's the only male left. Him, him and, his, and his monkey, there's a capuchin monkey, 
also the only male monkey left on the planet. And they have to figure out, well, why is it this guy? Why, why did he survive? And on the surface of it, I mean, this, this was published well before there was the Me Too movement and the Time's Up movement and the, the, you know, all of this stuff that we're debating and, and casting about over now. But when it was canceled, the showrunner Amelia Clark says this is this this was about you know this was about gender and made the whole thing you know about you know how many women were on the crew and what the stories were about and and it's got me wondering if it does get picked up somewhere for a second season, who's going to watch it? Are there enough people interested in this kind of story? especially with what's going on in real life, is this the kind of story that people are going to want to sit down and watch? Now, of course, there are fans of the comic book who have been eagerly anticipating the series for a number of years, and reaction to the show has been mixed, not from the standpoint of the politics of it, if any, I haven't watched it, but there are some people that are saying that the, the storytelling was uneven, uh, boring in some places. I, I haven't heard, outside of, what, outside of what the showrunner said after it was canceled, I haven't seen very much in the way of criticisms that this thing is you know, too political or woke or whatever. But... Are we tired yet? Are we tired of this kind of story? And I know we've talked about this before, and I've, I've mentioned on a number of occasions that I, for one, am well past the time where I'm interested in dystopian future stories like The Hunger Games or Divergent or whatever. But we have Why the Last Man getting canceled, ostensibly, it's the network doesn't want to spend the money. And that's the official reason. But I have to wonder what the numbers looked like for the viewing audience in the episodes that did air prior to the decision. How many people are actually watching the show? And it got me thinking, too, because also this week we have trailers... Uh, a teaser, in one case, for HBO Max's series, HBO Max's, 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 I, I, don't, I don't like how that sounds. The HBO Max series, Station Eleven, and the first teaser drops, and it's, it, it is a pandemic story. Uh, it, is a <clears throat> it is a story that takes place, I guess, current, day, current year plus 20, and it's definitely a pandemic-themed show, only it's a Georgia flu. <clears throat> and don't think I don't see what they did there. It's a Georgia flu that devastates the world, and it's based on a book by Emily St. John Mandel, and it's, it's about life before and after and surviving and living and connecting and the role of art in a world that's been drastically changed by a pandemic. 
And then you have a trailer for Moonfall, which is the upcoming disaster flick from Roland Emmerich. Of course, Roland Emmerich has given us Independence Day and 2012. And, and, and okay, the moon is falling out of orbit and it's going to crash into the Earth. I look at these stories and I think, you know, in the in the 80s, in the 90s, we would have been all over this. Ooh, it's a new disaster flick from Roland Emmerich. But nowadays, how interested are we in this? Because I look at these kinds of stories, this this whole dystopian future type of thing. And and even in some of the some of the uh, the superhero shows and and movies, there's a tone that maybe maybe has has been impacted a little bit about what we're dealing with in the real world. And I wonder how many people are going to go see these things. How many people are going to go see Moonfall? How many people are going to watch Station Eleven? I see uh, a sci-fi sign in the chat. He says, "I would." We were talking about why, why the last man. I would watch if it was a close adaptation of the comic book. Key stories should be about what the world would be like if women ran it. And I don't, I can't speak to one way or the other because I didn't watch it. I don't know how faithful it was to the to the comic book. Um, my impression. And this is just a, a surface level impression is that it it hewed close enough to the book. Of course, you've got to, you have the requisite whatever changes you make when you're when you're shifting mediums from from print to television. But I don't know how how accurately how faithfully it rec- it, it it adapted the book. <coughs> but you have these. You have these stories that are now... What am I doing? What's going on with my hair there? That's, you have these stories that are now... having a new layer attached to them. There's a new, there's a new level of... Not necessarily reality, but there's a there's a sense of how things are impacted. I remember because because many and I have been talking about you know the fact that so many people are now binge watching older shows, and we've been we've been watching Star Trek Enterprise. We we went through and and we're watching Deep Space Nine, and we watched all of the Stargate uh, Stargate SG One and Stargate Atlantis and Farscape and. I asked her at one point, and I said, well, here's this, there, we, there is a show from 1975, ran on the BBC, it was called Survivors. And it is a pandemic survival show. It is a, a, the starting point. In the UK, the government apparently has been developing a bioweapon, and it accidentally gets loose. 
And that's that's the start is the first episode is everybody's dying and people are getting out of the city and and running for the hills. And it is a a fairly well done show. The later seasons kind of start to get a, a little shaky, but the first couple of seasons especially are really solid. And I and I do recommend any of you who haven't seen it, I do recommend watching it at some point. But when I asked Mindy if she was interested in in watching this, she's no, not really at this point. And and I got to wondering how many people are in that position, how many people are there mentally <clears throat> and emotionally, where they sit and say, "Okay, I don't want to watch anything that reminds me of what I'm having to deal with in real life." Would the Hunger Games have succeeded? Now, as opposed to when they did come out? Are we looking at a shift in audience tastes? Will this become, you know, will will Moonfall be as successful? I mean, Roland Emmerich hasn't had a hit in a long while. Will Why the Last Man find a new network? Will it survive? And will anybody watch it? And I'm really curious what the numbers were for the first season. <clears throat> I don't know. Personally, I'm, I'm sitting here and I'm thinking to myself, I'm not really all that interested. And it could be a combination of frustration with the government. It could be battle fatigue in terms of, you know, just fighting to push through all of the all of the mayhem and the and the stupid that's out there. There's frustration with the citizenry there's there's genuine anger uh, on my part, especially when it comes to the media and how they've dealt with all of this. Because I've been in media, I know what I know what conversations are being had. I know what they think of you. It's one of the reasons I'm not in media anymore, is because I I didn't want to put up with the falderall anymore, news departments especially. They don't have a very high opinion of the public. And it's not about it's not about party. It's not about partisanship. It's not about right or left or red or blue. In these news in these news offices, these news departments, there are competing priorities let's say because on the one hand your news departments are trying to make an effort to bring information to you and yes that information is filtered and impacted by their own personal biases that's going to happen it happens everywhere our, our programming here 
is is a reflection of that, although not as much as you might think. <clears throat> but you have that priority in the news in the newsrooms. Get the news out. You also have the competing priority of let's change the world, right? We want to make a difference. We want to we want to do our part and and that sort of thing. But the other the other competing priority that a lot of people don't talk about and we do get a little bit of discussion of that on occasion is the advertiser the concept of if it bleeds, it leads, that only goes so far. Because the other conversations are, oh, that's an advertiser. They give us a lot of money. You can't run that story. There's a certain level of sensitivity, let's say, when a story comes into the newsroom and it is something with negative information, let's say, about, about a company. And, and if that company is an advertiser, there are a lot of times, and it's not always, but there's a lot of times when people are sitting there and say, well, we can't run that story. They'll, they'll pull all of their advertising. And that's our entire, that's our entire budget for the, for the next quarter. So there's that as well where you have to worry about who's going to advertise on your on your channel, who's going to advertise in your magazine or your newspaper. And what is this? I'm going to um I'm Oh, hi, we've been, uh, I'm going to, can we, hold on just a moment here, folks, we're getting a, we're getting a spam bot in the chat, uh, put user, no, I'm going to, oh, 300 seconds, I don't want 300 seconds, I want to get this person completely out, gone, all right, <coughs> no, oh yeah, there. I want to remove this person. There. All right. <clears throat> Sorry about that, folks. That was that was interesting. Why in the world? I wonder where that came from. Huh. Okay, so we just got hit with our first porn bot in the chat. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, Sapphire's not. What was that link? Wait, what? <coughs> but it's, 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 this, this is the kind of thing with live television, folks. You're going to have stuff like that. <coughs> I guess this is the equivalent of the, <coughs> of the guy streaking across the football field, maybe. Or, or the kissing bandit at the, at the baseball games. Uh, one one real quick note here uh, I do have that appeared on my desk. This book called Overtaken. It's by, uh, who is it by? It's by Mark Kruger. And it is a book that I believe Mrs. Boss just recently finished. And you're, you've written, a, you're, 
there's a review forthcoming. Is that this book that you? Okay. So there's a review forthcoming of that. So look for that over at sci-fi4me.com. And if you haven't signed up for the newsletter, we do we do encourage you to do that. But it's it's just one of those things where I I started to think about this uh, this morning and, and trying to trying to figure are we past the point? And I have asked this question before, and the answer has ended up being no because people keep making this stuff. But I'm, at what point do we say I don't want to watch this kind of thing? I, I'm not interested. And it doesn't have anything to do with politics. It just has to do with battle fatigue. It's it's the the constant drumbeat of fear and paranoia that's being pushed on us by the media and, and certain government types to keep us afraid. And why would I want to sit and watch a, a TV show or a movie that plays into that? That reinforces that fear, however, however subtly it does it, or if it do, if it goes completely over the top to make fun of it, I don't I don't like the idea of this fear and paranoia being in my face twenty four seven. There are times you want to get away from it, and I would think this would be a a perfect opportunity, a golden opportunity for somebody to come in. And it was like I was talking with Richard Palinelli a while back about the superversive stories, the, the hero stories, the good guys win stories, where you can have, you know, a hero saving the day type of thing. I would think that this would be the perfect time for a new story like that, that we can escape the reality and the doldrums and the fears in our lives right now, and we have something that we can enjoy. Maybe. I don't know. <sighs> anyway, all right. <clears throat> um, Aislinn in the chat, I do not trust media. They frame the stories with pre-framed narratives and drop in the person's names and dates and times and places. They don't let the facts lead. I that's that's true sometimes. I'm not going to say that that happens all the time. I'm not I'm not I have been in those places where it has not happened and there's been discussions about we have to make sure that we get this right. So there are there are media types out there with with integrity. It's not all of them, certainly. But uh, I we have to we have to be careful not to paint with a broad brush on on any topic. I mean, whatever whatever the the subject is, <clears throat> we have to be careful because there is a danger that we become like those people who are our opposites in terms of ideology or politics or whatever. This us versus them climate is deliberately being encouraged and and uh, and amplified. But, like Perch observes, I think people are starting to wake up to the fact that social media has done a lot of damage, has done a lot of harm to society. 
And Facebook turning its name to Meta is not going to save Facebook. It's, I think we're, I don't, it's hard to say that we're at a cusp of realization, but maybe, maybe we're at a cusp where people can sit there and say, I don't want that kind of story anymore. I don't want that experience, X and so, Y, Z, whatever thing anymore. I want to live my life and be left alone and make my decisions for myself and my kids and you stay out of it. And this could very well be the beginnings of that, maybe? I don't know. It's going to be interesting to see how Moonfall performs in the box office because it is going to be a, you know, it is it is a movie, but it's a Roland Emmerich disaster flick. I don't know how well it's going to do. And this, the Station Eleven, there's not going to be any real way to know how it, how well it does because the streaming services don't ever give us numbers. I mean, we have some some companies out there like, uh, like uh, Samba TV, that does some measurement and reporting, but a lot of that is estimates because they don't have access to the data either. So, okay, maybe we'll see. I don't know. It's just going to be one of those things where you kind of, kind of, hope for the best and prepare for the worst. Speaking of which, when we get back, I'm going to I'm going to ask you a couple of questions about preparing for the worst here when we get back live from the bunker standby. This is Sci-Fi for Me Radio. Be sure to connect with us on social media and subscribe to our channels so you don't miss our next broadcast. It's like, okay, hold on. You've got somebody, and all he does is put on some glasses and slicks back his hair, and nobody knows who he is. Nobody recognizes him. It's, 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 it's like that, that, uh, that scene in, in the Green Lantern movie where she looks at him and is like, how? You know, it's like, you just put on a mask and you expect me not to recognize you? The H2O Podcast, Monday night at 8, only on Sci-Fi for Me TV. Hi everyone, it's McKenna Talley from Salacious Crumbs. Just a quick reminder for all the latest Star Wars news and rumor, be sure to check out our show Salacious Crumbs right here on Sci-Fi for Me TV, Sundays at 5 p.m. Eastern, 4 Central. Back live from the bunker. My name is Jason Hunt. I am the editor here. They call me Mr. Boss. I have some kind of frog in my throat today. I'm not sure where that's coming from. My apologies for that. Eastland in the chat says, Off topic was watching Fortress the movie. Fun to watch in this plot. The government's overbearing but neither right or left. Um, isn't that the one, is that the one with the, the prison in space? Isn't that guy, uh, what's his name? Um, oh, who's in that movie? 
Is he, doesn't he break in to, to get somebody out or something? I can't remember. Fortress. I've heard of it. I haven't seen it. Um, Robert says, isn't Facebook currently over $1 trillion in market capitalization? Facebook can take many, many hits and still be a giant monster. That's that's true. Well, see, I don't, I don't know why... I don't know why Zuckerberg didn't just go all in and call it Skynet. Because that's what we're talking about here, right? You look at stuff like the Terminator movies, and you look at these disaster films, these post, post-apocalyptic things. Uh, I know J.J. Abrams even did one, uh, a series on NBC a while back, that's, you know, the end of the earth type of thing. Uh, and, and it has me wondering, and I'll ask you out there and you can, you can leave a comment or you could send an email and, and let us know, how are you preparing for the apocalypse? I mean, it's, it starts to creep in and you start to think, well, maybe, you know, we saw the panic with the toilet paper at the beginning of the pandemic. And we now have the supply chain issues that are going on. We have uh, gas prices going up. We have jobs not being filled for whatever reasons. And the economic situation, uh, I've, I've made the observation before that this really feels like 1979 on steroids. It really does feel like we are going to be hurting for a while. For various different reasons that I, I won't get into here because this is not a politics channel. I've thought about starting a politics channel, <coughs> but I'm not gonna, at least not yet, because it would take up way too much of my time already that just I don't have. I, uh, I got to thinking about this, though, because, you know, with, with people looking at the world, and we see what's been going on in Australia, and what if there's another surge and everybody is put under house arrest again while pandemic lockdown, and you're not able to get out, you're not able to go anywhere, and what if these vaccination passports actually become a thing and we become a papers please society, and some of us who have not gotten vaccinated are not allowed to go to the restaurants or the grocery stores or anything else. I mean, what, what, what are you doing to prepare for disaster? I mean, canned goods, meat, the price of meat has doubled in, what, less than a year. And I'm not... I'm not advocating for a paranoid prepper type of mindset. I'm not. Uh, I see uh, sci-fi snob saying pew pews and ammo. You can take anything else you need. I, yeah, but funny enough, I was just on a whim. Uh, I was at the gas station last night. I put $45 in my gas tank last night. Gas is up over $3 a gallon here in the Midwest. Predictions that it'll go as high as 7 or $10 a gallon in Europe. So, I just on a whim, 
because I've joked about it before. If the if the dollar collapses, what other things can we use for currency in terms of like barter and stuff? So I go into the gas station there because a lot of places, the gas station, you can buy cigarettes, right? And Mrs. Boss, I did not tell you this. I know we've joked about it before, but I asked, I was like, what's your cheapest, what's your cheapest carton of cigarettes going for right now? Just curious. I wasn't, you know, not looking to buy any of that, but we've made the jokes that, you know, if the dollar collapses, we need to have cigarettes and liquor as our, as our new form of exchange, right? $45 for the cheap carton. I think, I think she said Paul Mall. Does anybody smoke Paul Mall brand cigarettes? But I thought, you know, um, I'm okay. I don't need any, I don't need any cartons of cigarettes yet. But, uh, you know, it is, it is interesting to watch because it does factor into that whole, you know, that whole mindset of, of the pandemic fatigue of, of where we are and how we look at things that are going on in the world and what kind of preparations do you start to think about doing? You know, what happens if we have another circumstance like we had in Texas last winter where we had a bunch of power problems? You know, uh, the rolling blackouts in California, the, the, the brush fires and the, and the forest fires. And, and you start to think about these kinds of things. These continue, you start to make contingency plans. What happens if, you know, what happens if there's a supply chain issue and you can't get groceries for a month, you know? Um, I mean, I know Tim Poole has decided he's going to go set up his own little compound up there somewhere in the north northeast. And I'm not saying that that's a necessary thing. I don't know that we're that far into this yet. But I don't know. See, I now Sci-Fi Snob's got a good point that uh, not. Not as many people smoke these days, so cigarettes might not be a, a good barter item. But yeah, liquor, sure. Get you some bottles of uh, whiskey and what else? What else would you trade? You know, vodka, bread, cheese. What would you stock up on if if you were pre- and, and and I'm 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 I've got my tongue firmly planted in cheek here, folks. But if you were to prep for the disaster that's coming, what would you stock up on? What ha, how would you manage if society completely collapses? I'm not saying it will, but you look at what happened in Australia. They finally have been released from lockdown. In some in some parts of Australia, there's a couple of states where they're still completely shut down. But what would you stock up on? Robert says Montreal smoked meat would become currency of the apocalypse. Um, Sci-fi snob says more northern climate is better. Cold weather slows down the zombies. <laughs> Uh, Eastland says, Texas lost power for a week. FEMA says each household should be able to, uh, shelter for three days after, after, after three days, help should be there if nobody's injured. 
Uh, Aislinn says, trade canned fruit pie filling and homemade brownies. That's, that's, an, that's a point. Fruit filling. I mean, we've talked about canned fruit, canned vegetables, canned meat. But, well, you know, I, I was in Costco the other day. Meat has just skyrocketed in the last eight or ten months. It's twice as much as it was last year before all of this. Now, I know a lot of this is supply chain. A lot of this is there's a ton of stuff that's still sitting on the cargo ships, floating on the water at anchor. And, you know, you have people like Governor DeSantis saying, come on down. You know, they've opened the ports and maybe, maybe we'll see a little bit of relief in that front <clears throat> but you still got that bridge in nashville that's got to get fixed and that's a major thoroughfare for for transportation of goods so i don't know i'm just i'm just curious just thinking eastern says buy a dehydrator and prepare meat you bought on sale funny thing <laughs> can you can you find the link hang on to the to the to the box, the jerky box? Do we have that? All right. So here's a story. <clears throat> you know, you you hear all of these people saying, "Oh, this is lockdown. I can take all this time to do this thing and do this thing that I've always wanted to do and this thing and the other thing, right?" And people never really do it. They don't do their thing. They don't write their book. They don't they don't finish that Afghan they've been working on for the last 12 years. Knit one, pearl two. Nobody's going to do that. But I did run across a link to a how-to guide. What? You? Did you, did you see that? You know what? You know how much that I've seen and you've seen and how Where? where? All right. Mrs. Boss found it. She sent it to me. And it's a very, very ingenious, if I can say that, uh, very low-tech way of making beef jerky. And you mentioned the dehydrator. We've got one of those. We've been dehydrating a little fruit. Mrs. Boss has been making herself some banana chips and, uh, and dehydrating strawberries and that sort of thing. We've also got us a... a a shrink wrapper. Uh, uh, what is it officially called? We call it a shrink wrapper, but it's, it's a what? But anyway, you you stick it in the plastic bag and it sucks all the. It's a vacuum sealer. Um. So yeah, so this this beef jerky box is basically just a cardboard box, and you cut gaps in it for airflow and whatnot and you hang your strips of meat in this cardboard box with a 150 watt light bulb on the bottom of it to to give the heat and let it go for a couple of days and you have beef jerky and we've been experimenting with various different flavors i really like the steak and chop marinade that we did before teriyaki is pretty good some things, not so much. You got to find in your particular climate, in your particular space, how much time you take 
to uh, to leave it in there, but I've become pretty good about making beef jerky. Of course, it would be nice if I could eat more of it. Aislinn's <clears throat> <clears throat> saying you can dehydrate in a regular oven. Uh, you can also use that for canning as well. Uh, we've done a little bit of that. Although, uh, uh, what was it? Uh, air, yeah, but an air fryer. I think you can use. They've got they've got things that are specifically made for canning that are also good for cooking. But um, Robert says Canada has a literal fascist regulated supply chain for dairy products. An industry run government body requesting to jump the price of milk a mandatory eight point eight percent. It's a government, oh, a, a government industry cartel, so they're working together, I guess. How, how would that work if you did milk prices jumped 8%? Well, that, would, that would put it up over, over $4 here, wouldn't it? $4 a gallon-ish, something like that. Anyway, it's fun to speculate, isn't it? What would you do? You know, would you would you bunker in place? Would you go? Would you would you go to family? Would you go, you know? Would you go out of town? Would you leave your home and and travel to, you know, family members' homes? You guys all gather together in in one spot and and wait it out, or do you do you stay where you are and gather all of your supplies and? Stock your armory and stock your pantry. What do you do? What goes through your mind when you think about all of it? You know, are you starting a garden? Are you collecting rainwater? Are are you, you what, what do you do? What kind of effort does it take? And what are you willing to do? What are you interested in doing? Even if an apocalypse doesn't happen. I'm glad we have the jerky box because I like beef jerky and I like making this beef jerky. But. I mean, I'm, you, you start to think, you start to wonder, because especially with what's been going on, I, and I reference everything that's going on in Australia, but this is not the only place where this kind of thing has been going on, where people have been locked up in their homes. Or neighbors have been encouraged to report on neighbors. You know, this tattletale regime that we've got, encouraging people, well, tell us if your neighbors have more than six people in their homes for the, for the holidays. Remember that last year? 1930s Germany doesn't look quite so far-fetched now, does it? Uh, Eastland said, in Mississippi, it's tornadoes and hurricanes. In California, it's fires. In the north, it's blizzards. Uh, Green Apple. I, I have not seen that name in the chat before. Welcome. I just buy a little extra every time I go shopping. Got plenty of canned foods and meats in case I need them. Just have to rotate so they don't expire. Eastland says, do you have a go bag, even if it isn't a backpack? <clears throat> I've seen discussions about this, you know, and for lack of a better term, you know, the, the bug out bag, the go bag, the getaway bag. Are 
article and what oh 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 i see okay mindy has put in the chat on youtube a link to an article and a document with the uh the instructions on how to make your own beef jerky box i highly recommend you do it because it's it's fun making beef jerky because when you pull when you pull them off the off the skewers and you hand one to Mrs. Boss and she goes, "Oh, that's good." It's very satisfactory. Very satisfying. Uh, Green Apple says I have a bug out bag with some survival supplies. Eastland says my go bag is in. What well, you're not supposed to be telling people about what you've got. <sighs> But see, the other part of that, too, is where where does that line fall for people depending on where you live? Eastland mentions a number of different disasters that are generally regional. But when you have civil unrest, let's say, we saw the stuff that happened last year with all of the riots and everything. We see a bunch of protests that are still going on. And protests will continue at least and through at least through the midterms. And I expect that we'll probably get some kind of civil unrest at the conclusion of the Kyle Rittenhouse trial, for example. When you have a when you're in a neighborhood that's relatively quiet and things don't go very, very active around you, how safe do you feel and how how necessary do you think it is to be planning contingencies? Not not gunfight of the OK Corral type of contingency, but, you know, supply chain issues and the grocery stores don't have stuff on the shelves. And, you know, are are you worried? And is your level of worry, your level of concern, impacted by where you live and what kind of things are going on around you in terms of the the political climate, the economic climate, what kind of questions are you asking yourself? And I'm not saying, let me make sure, I'll, I'll be clear. I'm not saying that everybody needs to be a prepper. Eastland makes a good point. The whole, the whole idea of prepping does in, invoke in some people a certain level of fear. What's going to happen? But you plan for the, you plan for the worst, you hope for the best, and, and reality falls somewhere in the middle, I guess. Maybe, you know, so Robert, oh, this is interesting. Robert says for Mormons, it's a religious requirement to have, I think, three months of food and medicine in every minister's home and almost every adult male Mormon is a minister. I did not know that. Okay. All right. Yeah. Eastland says, don't be paranoid, but be prepared to leave or shelter in place for three days. It means cash, prescription meds, cat food, collar, kennel, food, clean underwear, and start there. Sound advice. Clean underwear. I knew we forgot something. Robert says, the closest I have to prepping is a couple of boxes of Western family macaroni and cheese over the fridge that have been there years. What? What's do we have? We cleaned out the pantry a while back. What was the oldest stuff that we had in there? Because uh, I remember, <laughs> I remember some stuff that came over that made the move when after we got married and we got to the and when we moved into the house. Uh, I found some stuff that was dated what 2013, 2014, maybe. 
Yeah. Some some stuff you get thinking that you're going to make that thing, and then you end up not making the thing, and it sits in the back of the pantry for a half a dozen years. But we do go through coffee. We've we've got plenty of coffee. And sugar. Staples. I mean, that would be the thing, right? Not 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 staples like business you put paper together, but staples. The the the, the basics. You know, coffee, sugar, salt. Um what else? Uh Eastland said Robert will be begging for for some peanut butter, canned beans, and toilet paper. Green Apple says, having stuff helps with non-apocalypse emergencies, too. If you lose your job, it's nice to not have to worry about food while budgeting. That's a very good point, because there are a lot of people right now who are facing the prospect of losing their jobs over this whole uh, vaccine mess. I have my personal thought about all of that as far as the legality of it. Um, I won't get into it here. Because it's not really the appropriate forum. But, oh yes, candy corn is essential. I should I should send a note to Drunk3PO to make sure that he's got plenty of candy corn for the apocalypse, right? Alright, so I'm going to leave it at that. Y'all, just be thinking. What happens if you lose power, if you lose your job, if something, if something were to go wrong? And I'm not saying apocalypse or riots or zombies or whatever but what kind of preparations are you making and this even goes toward you know savings are you are you putting money under the mattress are you are you keeping it in the bank because what happens if banks collapse are you investing in gold i'm not, I'm not advocating for anything i'm just saying I I see. I'm going to I'm going to allow the comment. I'm going to allow the comment. Flashlights. Do you think we got enough flashlights around here? Ask my mom. Ask ask Mrs. Boss's mom. <coughs> Mother Boss. Yes. Silver bars. Sci-fi stops it. See, you know, maybe that's what we should do. We should take an episode and get a, get a bunch of people. We'll do an open. We'll do an open mic type of thing. Maybe. And we'll we'll put together a list, the ultimate prep list for the upcoming zombie apocalypse disaster when the moon falls and everybody turns into everybody turns into zombies, right? Okay. All right. <laughs> we'll leave it there. Y'all be thinking. Uh, leave us an email or a comment. Let us know what kind of things you're going to be doing. If you are, you know, think about what if. What if you get into a situation where, you know, maybe you're stranded somewhere or you don't have power or whatever? Uh, what kind of things would you do? What do you need to have on hand? And it's always a smart thing to just be prepared for contingencies and emergencies and that sort of thing. So uh, I'd be interested. I'm curious to know. Let me know if, uh, with a comment or an email live from the bunker at sci fi for and in the meantime, if you are new to the channel, we do invite you to subscribe. And uh, don't forget, we have launched Season 3 of Foreign Bodies, a brand new episode visiting France, dropped this past Saturday. 
And uh, coming up on the 7th, which is right around the corner, we're going to have a new Salacious Crumbs with the latest Star Wars news. So we do hope you stick around for that. And, uh, you know, check out any of the rest of the videos. Go look at that beef jerky box. Go make you, go make you some beef jerky. And uh, we will be back to do this all again. Remember, we don't take normal back. We don't, you see, I, I haven't had enough coffee. We don't get normal back until we take normal back. And there are four lights. This has been a presentation of Sci-Fi For Me Radio. Copyright 2021 by Flaming Dog Media, LLC. All rights reserved. No portion of this program may be retransmitted without the express written consent of Flaming Dog Media.